folks we're back here with uh jordan huss resident executive vp of great northern cannabis how's it going good how you doing jeff good so we met for the first time uh, i guess it was a week or two ago when when congressman young toured a bunch of weed facilities here in anchorage and, and we, the first one we went to was your cultivation facility in south anchorage and um we got that epic picture of the congressman um with a pound of weed yeah, that was cool. Uh, that was definitely a highlight of uh, of this cannabis career so far. Having a, a guy like Don Young come through and tour our cultivation facility. He was so he wasn't just engaged, but I think he was genuinely just kind of really curious about like the not just not just the the business part of it, but the growing and and the. I, mean, I think he must he must have been involved in. He had a lot of really good questions about the farming aspect of it. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I think a lot of people, they don't quite grasp uh, what goes on behind the scenes in the cannabis industry. Uh, they don't see the grows. They don't see how this stuff, uh, you know, is, is, is developed and, and brought to market. So it's really, it's great for me to show people that. Yeah, it, um, it was incredible how many plants were in that one, like that one big, the big room. I don't know what you call it. But yeah, that was one of our fl- one of our flower rooms. Yeah, that had about five hundred plants in there, and that's just one of two in that in that particular facility. Um, What'd you say? You guys are producing how much how much a month out of that facility? About one hundred and twenty pounds a month. Wow. Yeah, it's a lot. That's, and then and then the other issue we dealt with um, in some of the other places we went to was the the bill of congressman's work passed out of the house was this banking deregulation issue with the. Um, the marijuana facility, you guys can't use banks, right? Yeah, we can't use banks. Everything's cash right now, which is uh, incredibly complicated. Um, we, we make our payroll in cash. Uh, we pay our bills, our utilities, stuff like that in cash. Um, it, wow. it's, it, yeah, it's incredibly difficult tracking all of that. Yeah, so I heard a story about some guy from, I think it was maybe the Kenai or something, he had to pay his bill, and he had a, you know basically a bag of 100 hundred grand in, in the airplane he had to go pay. Because you have to pay the city or the state tax, and then you also have to pay the... The, the IRS tax, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, there's a state tax. There's a municipal taxes. Like here in Anchorage, there's a municipal tax. And then there's the federal taxes. So you just go with like a bag of money? and Yeah, the, yeah. And it's actually, like Wild West, man. It, it is like Wild West. And the first time we, uh, the first couple of times we did, paid our employment taxes in uh, at the IRS building here in Anchorage, they were just dumbfounded by this amount of cash coming in. And, and they literally sat there and counted it by hand. What, what about your employees? Can you pay them with a check or no? Um, no, we, we pay them in cash. Wow, it's like it's like it's nuts, you know. It's like the one of the places we were at. I won't say which one, but I mean, we were in the back and doing a tour, and we were getting pictures. And there was like the, I mean, basically, it was like the cash room. Yeah. And I was like, can we photograph that? And they were like, no, you cannot. <laughs> it, it was a fucking lot of money. I mean, it was, I don't know, I probably, I don't know, I don't even want to say what I think it was, but it was a ton of money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have safe rooms as well. Um, they're they're as secure as any bank in this town, um, and for good reason. Um, so, so no, no um, credit cards, basically, right? No credit cards, yeah, not yet. And but so this bill passed the, the House, and it's he, he, Congressman told me it. He's very optimistic about it passing the Senate. Senate. So basically, it 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 doesn't. De- there's a separate bill he has for descheduling um, marijuana on the states that have passed have legalized it. But this bill essentially uh, allows businesses who are doing stuff with marijuana in states where it's been legalized to to be able to use banks where right now they're 
essentially prohibited. Yeah, that that's from what I understand. That's kind of what it covers. Is it it uh, keeps the banks in a in a safe place if they do to decide to do business with cannabis uh, industries in legal states, which would be great. I'm looking forward to something like that. So it seems like um, I used to be president of Taco Campbell Community Council. So that was what they call it, the Green Mile over there on King Street. Oh, so yeah. when I was president, I mean, we had the whole, right after they, they uh, legalized it, we had these meetings and, it, and there was a lot of folks that were eager to get in the business right away and some did and some didn't. But I mean, it seems like there's so many shops uh, popping up all, all, over, all over the place. And there was just a thing on Channel 2, they, they said in Spinard, they want to try to limit it to like so many based on population, kind of like a beer and wine license or distance as far as competitors i mean is there too many shops or is everybody still making money you know it's hard to say um i think we're at the point of saturation right now and i think uh it really is going to come down to the businesses that have the best models that provide the best product and the best service at the best prices um the state didn't really do anybody any favors by making this an open entry uh uh, application process where mm-hmm. anybody there's no limit to the amount of applications that can be uh, uh, gained. Um, that's in contrast to say alcohol where there is a limit. Um, if yeah, you, I think so. Like, li- there's liquor licenses for like hard liquor, and then there's the beer and wine. Which, right, right. Which I think that's uh, based on um, so every fifteen hundred people or something, right? Yeah, something like that. But I know with the liquor licenses, like right now, if you want a liquor license, you have to buy it from someone who holds it. You can't just go and apply right, for yeah. a new liquor license. And so, so it, there's a, a limit on that. If you can find one, if you can find one, absolutely. And um, right now in the cannabis industry, uh, without that limitation, I think we're gonna see we're gonna see some people uh, come on hard times, unfortunately, because they're either in a bad location, they're not providing the best service, or or you know a million other factors that go along with with business it's like fucking total wild west it is the wash and it is yep it is yep it's it's amazing because um you know moving out of say the black market into this new legal market i was expecting a lot of change and a lot of different uh you know kind of fundamental uh changes we haven't really seen that i mean in in a lot in a lot of ways other than paying taxes and following all the rules and the state and municipal regulations um it is very much very similar to the black market and the way it used to operate. So you guys, you guys do the retail side, but you also do the the cultivation side, right? Yeah, we have all three licenses. Um, so there's manufacturing, which well, explain what all three different different ones. Okay, do. so cultivation is is just that it's it's the growing of the cannabis. Uh, manufacturing is the uh, is the license that allows you to break down uh, cannabis plants into oils, um, concentrates, things like that, making bait cartridges or oils for edibles. And then there's of course the retail license, which allows you to sell it uh, at the retail level. And you guys have all you guys have all three. We have all three. Do most places are they doing one or two or I mean like it, it it really differs. It's all across the board. There's some people that are just into retail. Some people are just into cultivation. Some people are just into manufacturing, and then some people are are vertically integrated like we are. So by doing all three, you essentially control. I mean, you, you control your supply, and then you can you know you sell it, but you don't have to depend on somebody else. Because like if you just do, for example, if you're just doing retail, you have to. Buy it from somebody like you, right? Or- a- absolutely, yeah. If you're just a retail store, you have to buy it. Um, you know, just like Walmart buys their products to put on their shelves. Um, we control everything from basically seed to sale, which helps us uh, monitor our quality, our prices, um, overall service, and just uh, just every little detail. Do you, do you guys sell? Do you guys just 
can sell your stuff on your on your on your own, or do you sell it to other other other? Like- we we do a, a little bit of wholesaling uh, to some some close uh, business friends of ours, but it's mainly everything we grow, we sell. We also sell other companies' cannabis in our retail stores in an effort to uh, kind of expand variety, as well as um, you know, there's just right now we're selling at a rate that we we simply can't keep mm-hmm. up with. Are there any restrictions on who you can sell it to? I mean, did somebody. I assume you have to sell it to somebody with a license, I guess, or like, yeah, yeah. Can I come in and buy a pound? No, you can't. Um, you can buy up to an ounce as a as just a person on the, uh, you know, just a general person. Um, in order to do business in the Alaska industry, you have to be a licensed operator. Um, so before we started the podcast, you mentioned this is interesting. You grew up in Kotzebue. Yeah, born and raised in Kotzebue, Alaska. So you're, and you're like you're like a white guy, right? You're not, not native. <laughs> yeah, I'm not native. Uh, my parents moved up there in the '60s. Uh, my mom was a teacher, and my dad uh, helped develop the fire department. And um, they lived there for 30 plus years, and uh, they raised six kids. I'm the youngest of six. Wow, where they move from? They moved. My mom's from California originally, and my dad's from Chicago. My parents are from well, Waukegan, if you know. Yeah, north north of Chicago. Yep, yep. So in the '60s, man, that was before oil. Before oil, before a lot of things. Um, I, I remember my mom telling stories about when she moved up. I mean, Kotzebue was literally just a tent city. Um, they had very little infrastructure there. Um, and she was looking to get away from California and go as far as way as she could. And Kotzebue, <laughs> they were advertising for teaching positions. And she was like 24, 25 at the time, young and just looking for an adventure. And she never left. She got pretty far away. I mean, yeah, yeah. So they came together or they met there? They, they met in Kotzebue, yeah. Wow. And yep. so they're both just... Like people from lower 48 that moved up there. Yep, absolutely. Why'd your dad move up for the job? Or um, it was actually, I think, uh, through through the uh, the draft in Vietnam, he was sent up there and just kind of stuck around. <laughs> it's like Vietnam or Alaska. Like, hmm, shit. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. I can't say he he made the bad decision. I probably would have done the same. So, what year were you born? I was born in '83. Oh, so I was born in '84. So, gotcha. Close. So you you grew up. I mean, you grew up in Kotzebue. Yeah, I, I uh, grew up there. Um, my mom came, uh, got to retirement age, and uh, we had owned a house here in Anchorage for a really long time that we rented out. And um, they basically gave me the option when I was fourteen. Um, hey, you can move to Anchorage and live with your mom. She wants to retire. You can stay here with your dad while he works a few more years. And so I decided um, just based on uh, educational opportunities and job opportunities that I wanted to move to Anchorage. So was it growing up? I mean, you're like I imagine you were probably a minority. You're a white guy. And- yeah, yeah. I was I was one of uh, probably four or five white kids in the school at that time. Um, most of the white kids in that in that uh, school were either teacher uh, kids or um, you know kids of doctors or you know people who are you know kind of imported, if you will. Um, but it was great. You know, um, I love Kotzebue. I love growing up in the Inupak culture. Um, I have an Inupak name. And it was really absolutely yeah. How, how old were you when you got it? I was born with it. Yep. That's, what is it? It's uh, yuguk. Yuguk. Yuguk, and it means rock. Oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah. And it's Do your siblings have one too, or yeah, everyone has one. Yeah, it's 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 tradition to get um, an Inupak elder when there's a newborn. Uh, an Inupak elder will, will bless them with their name to carry on their legacy and carry on their name. And so I was blessed um, with my Inupak name from a, a guy named Walter Sampson. So when you moved to uh, Anchorage, was it, it must have been a kind of a transition, right? Oh, it was crazy. Um, I mean, you grew, grew up in a small native kind of town. And yeah, I mean, there was more kids in Diamond High than there was in the entire town of Kotzebue. So it was definitely a, cult- a culture shock. Um, you know, moving into Diamond, not knowing, I, I think I knew two people. Uh, but, but, you know, by the time senior year rolled around, I, you know, I was playing sports and doing all kinds of stuff. And so you did like the 9th through 12th, you did the whole high school? Yeah, and- I did the whole high school at Diamond High. 
Wow. So probably, I'm guessing it took you, I don't know, six months or a year to really maybe. Oh, it was, yeah, it was probably by the end of sophomore year, I was starting to kind of meet people and and gain friends and kind of, you know, build a a rapport with everybody. But uh, it's definitely tricky walking into a school, you know, with kids that have been going to school together for their entire lives. And I'm just the new kid. Um, So, I mean, you you grew up in like just such a different culture in so many ways. I mean, just not even the size, obviously, but just like the culture of. Yeah, very much so. I mean, Kotzebue, um, you know there it revolves around subsistence living and uh and just kind of relying on one another the community is very tight everybody knows one another um it always i always felt like i had someone watching my back no matter where i was mm-hmm. in Kotzebue and moving into anchorage um it was it was not quite the same not even close um you know, you know my boy john lincoln i know i know john lincoln i love grew that up, yep i love I, love that guy yep i grew up with him uh he's a couple grades older than i am but um his sister was in my grade and i've known them since i was Young. Yeah, I got to know him pretty well um, when I was in Juno last session. Uh, he's just a great guy. He's he's somebody who doesn't he doesn't speak a lot. A lot of these like legislators, they some of them talk all the time, and you're like, oh man, fuck, they're talking. But when John Lincoln speaks, everybody listens. Absolutely, and and I think he brings a a, a very unique um, view to to that group of people in in the in the essence that he's grown up in the village and he understands kind of the troubles and the struggle that they deal with. So you finished school here and then you did you go to college here and yeah i went to went to college here at uaa uh simply because it was uh it was cheap and and i i would just i was i was uh hoofing the bill on my own so yeah i went to you what what year did you graduate uh 2011 oh so i graduated in 09 so we're probably there we overlapped probably what did you get your degree in yep i got my degree in uh journalism and public relations now you're now you're in the weed business. Now I'm well, in the, the weed business. The PR thing probably helps. Absolutely. Um, I, you know, I UAA was a great platform. It really kind of brought me out of my shell, and it really kind of uh, honed, you know, my people skills, um, as well as my business skills for for this cannabis industry. Um, a lot of this industry is dealing with the public, dealing with people, and, and and educating people. This is something that most people are very, very unfamiliar with. I bet you've been to a few community council meetings. So. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. I was actually uh, the secretary of the downtown community council for a couple of years, and I uh, um, I was asked to join that group simply because of my cannabis background and my knowledge, and in an effort to help them navigate all of these licenses and the regulations and this this whole new monster that is cannabis. So how did you like? How did you get break into this industry from? Well, I started. Um, I started growing cannabis just kind of out of curiosity, um, right out of high school, and it was something. There was something about the cannabis plant that just really intrigued me. Was this like a one plant, or was this like a generator? Situation? Yeah, no, no. This was just a couple of plants. Um, you know, like I said, my mom had a garden, and I had grown up helping her in the garden, and I, I learned to grow a lot of different varieties of plants and uh, and, and veg- vegetables and things like that. Um, cannabis was something that she was obviously, you know, most parents are not keen on letting their kids Jordan, grow. What are you yeah. doing in there? Yeah, exactly. Um, it, my, smell, it smells funny. <laughs> it's funny though because the first cannabis plant I I grew was in the dorm room at UAA in the closet. <laughs> and um, wait a minute, you're that guy? Yeah, <laughs> I, I was that guy. And it's funny because my roommate was a RA, a resident advisor, and he was like, "Hey, you know, I just I'm curious as to why there's light coming from your <laughs> from your from your bedroom door." And uh, I'm, I'm studying. Yeah, I said, "Well, it's a it's a it's a biology experiment <laughs> and, and in a lot of ways that was very true um but i bought my i bought my first house when i was 25 and i built a small grow and and i just really kind of honed in on uh, you know the techniques of- because, because before it was legalized because of that raven decision that went back to the 70s i mean you couldn't it technically wasn't something you could sell but i mean you, you could 
I, I guess back then, before it was legalized, you could possess it, right? I mean, you could you could grow it and, and, and possess it, but you couldn't sell it or... Yeah, yeah, I mean, you could have up to... From what I understand on the Raven Light, you could have a, up to 24 plants, and I, I've never had that many at that particular moment in my life, but... Um, we we towed the line. Let's just say that. Um, but it was a great it was a great uh, hobby for me. It was a great way to unwind and de stress at the end of the day. I I started out in construction after high, after college. Uh, actually, I worked through uh, construction in college and then um, started doing more project management stuff. And it was uh, it was stressful. And that was a way for me to come home and kind of unwind and and. Uh, it seems like the stigma has really in the last couple of years. I mean, couple of years. I mean. That Don Don Young tour. I mean, that f- five years ago, that would have been basically un- just it would have been unthinkable. I mean, it would have never happened. Him, a congressman going to, you know, holding marijuana plant or a bunch of pound of marijuana, and and now in this short period of time, I mean, the Colorado, Washington, Alaska, a few other states, and it seems like it's accelerating even even quicker. I mean, why do you think it's happened so fast? Well, I think I mean, there's. There's been a culture for a long, long time, and I think it's been it's been under the rug and under the table for far too long. And I think there's a lot of people out there. I mean, even professionals, lawyers, doctors, um, you know, any anybody really from all walks of life. They've they've tried cannabis. They've experimented with it. I think most of the population understands that it's pretty benign when it comes to substances. Um, it can help medicinally, although those studies haven't been completely, you know, gone through and run through like, you know, say other um, medicines or whatever. But well, I think a lot of people really, especially like Don Young was talking about, you know, some of the, the military folks he talks to that, that it really helps them with their, with their PTSD and their stress. And um, absolutely. And that, and I, and I have to admit, you know, that's one of the reasons why I got into cannabis because I found, you know, as a young man, I dealt with a lot of anxiety, um, just because life, life was tricky, you know, getting through college and working and the bills and all this stuff. And I dealt with a lot of anxiety and I found that cannabis, you know, more so than alcohol or any other pills that I was, you know, prescribed would really kind of help me just kind of center myself and get back to a, a good, a good feeling. And, um, that's when I started to kind of become more uh more involved in growing cannabis and learning more about it and finding you know different phenotypes and learning about terpene profiles and just getting into really breaking down into the science of cannabis so the uh, you know 2014 it gets legalized you're doing your 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 little small grow how did you get involved in with great northern cannabis it's the craziest story so um i had been working my butt off and saving money like crazy and and i wanted to invest into something um my family my brother uh is in real estate and that's always been good to him um but i i was i was looking for something more and i just i was just stacking my chips and just kind of waiting for the right move and one night after um after it went legal, the regulations came out, and I realized that this was going to be a big money business. It, it, it took. I mean, once it got legalized, it took. I, I recall maybe it was like a it was like a year before anything really got going. Yeah, it was about a year, and I had read through the regulations when they were released. I mean, I read through them front and back, and I just it was almost disheartening because I realized that this is not a mom and pop business. This is not something that you know someone with fifty grand could just jump in and start something. And maybe it is, but that that's not what I was looking to do. And so one night, funny enough, um, I was surfing Craigslist and I was looking for real estate properties or just something to invest in. And I came across an ad in the business section and it was very well written. And I could tell whoever had written it was was intelligent and 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 was serious about what they were doing. And it was basically an ad looking for cannabis investors. 
And I said, well, man, I should respond to this, you know. And so I wrote to the ad and I said, hey, you know, I'm not only interested in investing, but I've got a ton of cannabis knowledge. I've been doing this for a long time on my own. Uh, I'm looking to get in and, and, and start something. And um, I got a response right back from a gentleman named Steve Brashear. And we met down at the Kaladis downtown and uh, we just hit it right off. And damn Craigslist. Craigslist. The craziest <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing what people had found on Craigslist. You know, and it really is. And I, and I, I really try and I'm open-minded towards, uh, you know, all opportunities in life. And I just happened to meet Steve and, and Steve brought a lot of entrepreneurial experience as well as business experience to the table. Um, but he, he did, was he older than you or yeah, he, he's older than me, but he, he didn't have a whole lot of cannabis experience or any at all. Really. Um, he had run some other businesses, but nothing cannabis related. And so we teamed up and, and over the course of several months started dreaming and scheming. And, uh, he put together a really beautiful business business plan and um it was like 2015 yeah this was yeah this is about 2015 and uh we started kind of putting the word out for investors and we got a couple people to sign up but it still wasn't quite enough um you guys are the one andrew helcrow's involved with right yeah i yeah. love that when we pulled up um for, to meet don young i was like why is patrick flynn waving me down <laughs> i was like what's he doing here and he's involved too right yeah Pat- i didn't know that yeah. until i saw him there yeah yeah so um we started putting together a, a pretty decent team of investors um but we still didn't quite have what we needed and at that time we had searched high and low for a warehouse that would kind of fit our needs uh, we started talking with general contractors about a build out for a, a grow facility which you know at that point in time nobody had really done so there was a lot of uncertainty um the general contractors were hesitant to work with people like us because they didn't know if we were going to be able to pay the bills and all this other and stuff. So, um, you know, we signed a a million dollar plus contract, you know, with a general contractor to build out this warehouse that we had found. Um, and we had only about half the money and we didn't tell them that at the time, but we were (laughs) like, Hey, let's just get into this and we'll cross the bridges when we need to. Um, and lucky enough, you know, as soon as we got walls going up and people saw that we were dead serious about this, uh, uh, investment money started coming in and we, we were able to, to, to meet uh, what so, we... Sometimes you got to build it and they will come, right? Exactly. And that's kind of the mentality. That's kind of the way it's been um, it, all along. You know, a little bit of uh, a lot of planning, a lot of hard work, but a little bit of luck involved. I love that name, Great Northern. I mean, just a good... Who, who came up with that? Yeah, that was Steve. Steve came up with that. And good, it was a good and, name. And I'm glad he did because I, you know, I, when I was on my own looking at this industry, I, I was toying over names of what, what was it called my business? Jordan's Weed Yeah, exactly. Shop. <laughs> exactly. I couldn't come up with anything worth it, worth this shit. So uh, I'm really glad that Steve, you know, he brought, he brought a lot of uh, very... Uh, a lot of professionalism to the to our team. What's the other one? Um, oh man, another one has a really good name. Uh, oh my god, what the hell? It's driving me crazy. There's another one with a really kind of like a a pun. Alaska. What the hell is it? There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them in this uh, in this industry that have. I'll good think names. of it. It's, I think it's over on Spinard or the Dankridge. Yeah, Dankridge. Dankridge yeah, yeah. yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's some there's some great businesses in this uh, in this state. And I you know overall I am really really impressed with the professionalism and the tack that uh, the cannabis industry well, has that's brought. What, that's what Congressman Young kept saying. He was so impressed in all three facilities we went to. He was so impressed with with the caliber of people. The, the the professionalism of, of the the display the the um, security everything yeah just, everything was so good and and he said you know he, he was like I'm dealing with we're dealing with all these business people right who who are uh, not even employing they're not only employing people and paying taxes but you know they're 
providing a certain product that people want. There's a demand for it. Absolutely, yeah. So are, are you guys doing anything? Because you have a Kotzebue connection. There's some shops in Kotzebue, isn't there? Yeah, we actually have a Kotzebue connection. Uh, funny enough, um, uh, a kid I grew up with, um, his 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 mother is actually, his parents are my godparents. That's how close we are. Um, he runs a shop up in Kotzebue, and we do provide a, a little bit of product of, uh, of ours. Um, but it's great to see, you know, these young, hungry entrepreneurs basically starting from scratch, starting in a brand new industry and, and building something for themselves. So you guys just have the one retail location, right? Or do you have more than one? We have two right now. We're working on a third. So you have the one downtown Anchorage? Yeah, one downtown on 4th and F, and then we have another one on West Diamond, just across from the Fred Meyer there. Okay, are you guys looking to go out of Anchorage? or? Yeah, eventually. Um, we we feel like there's still a lot of Anchorage that's underserved. Um, is there, and I don't know if you, you know, I'm sure you probably have some insight. Is there still, I don't know about now, but I know a year ago or more, there was still kind of a black market going on. Yeah, and you know, I, I've I've disconnected myself from from the black market a long time ago. Um, I just wonder if you know, I don't know the prices. You know, I think it's probably easier to pay a little more and go into a licensed place. But if somebody's not paying the tax, could they grow something and then sell it for cheaper? Oh, absolutely. And and I know the black market's alive and well right now. Matter of fact, I've I've actually seen um, black market providers. They're actually having their cannabis tested at the same facilities that we do. They're packaging their cannabis in the same containers that we do. Really? Yeah, and they're selling it, but for much cheaper than so, we so, are. So they aren't. Are they doing anything illegal? I mean, I guess they're an unlicensed. Yeah, the only thing they're doing is being an unlicensed uh, seller. Right? Yeah, I mean they're they're breaking uh, several laws, I'm sure. Um, but they aren't breaking the traditional kind of the old, you know, when it was illegal. When you have a much bigger distribution, you know, if you get caught with twenty pounds of marijuana right. five years ago, you're probably in a lot of trouble. Yeah, well, that and that's the thing is, there's just no enforcement. You know, no uh, the a- APD, state troopers, and nobody nobody's dealing with cannabis anymore unless it's like you know felonious or something like that. But um, and even then, I just don't think they want anything to do with it. I think they've got bigger fish to fry, yeah. and, and grantedly so. Um, I just think for for me, if if I you know I don't I don't smoke pot. I used to uh, many years ago. I stopped doing. It. I, I the reason I stopped was because I was having a. This is like, let's see here, what year is it? Twenty. 19, I probably quit in 20, 2006, 2007. And it was because, uh, I was having a conversation. I was smoking a lot of pot, you know, when I was younger Oh yeah. and I moved here to, I never smoked pot before I moved to Alaska. <laughs> you come to Alaska, you meet all sure. these people and sure. you know, you're in college and it's kind of everywhere. But I was uh, talking to somebody one time and I just literally, I just forgot what I was saying. I was like, what am I, what am I thinking? Yeah. Like I lost, and I just, I, I need to stop doing this. It's probably not, yeah. not, you know, not, not good for me. But, um, Back then, when you're trying to get pot, it was like kind of you got to call somebody, you got to have a connection. And now it just seems so much easier for somebody who wants to buy some weed to just go to the store. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You, don't, you know, you, the drug dealer, the guy, you got to meet him somewhere, and it's kind of weird. It just seems like. It's probably not that much. I don't know what they're charging on the black market, but I can't imagine it's that much cheaper. Yeah, I mean, it's not that much cheaper, and you, you never know what you're getting. And that's that's kind of the tough part about it is, you know, in the traditional black market days, you'd meet up with your guy in the parking lot or whatever, and you get a bag of weed. You had no idea what it was or, you know, a sativa, indica, where it's coming from, who grew it, what pesticides I, I, were used. Whatever. I remember the, the big thing was always... You know, three point five grams is is, is, is uh, an eighth, right? Right. And it was always like two nine, yeah. three, oh, three yeah. one. You know, they'd always like right. shorted a little bit, short you a little bit, yeah. And like, and there's no recourse. What are you gonna? Like- 
You know, bitch to your drug dealer. I mean, yeah. <laughs> hey, man. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, and that and that's the beauty of this legalized industry is that a, a customer can walk in and they can choose from you know twenty plus different varieties of cannabis. They can get exactly what they want. They know it's going to be weighed out properly. It's going to be packaged properly. It's going to be tested properly. Um, you know more so. Um, and they, they know what they're getting. And I think that is worth that little bit of extra money that can, consumers want to pay. I was reading an article about Colorado how they've gotten so much tax revenue and. The interesting thing was that because Colorado is surrounded by New Mexico and Nebraska and Wyoming and all these other states, people are people are pouring into Colorado to buy stuff, and then they're going back to their states where it's not legal yet. So we're kind of unique. We don't really have – I mean, I guess we have visitors. We have a lot of tourists coming in the summertime, but um, we, who are your other – do you have tourism as a part of your business? I mean, downtown? Uh, yeah, the- absolutely. Um, we service a lot of tourism uh, in the summertime um, from May to September. That, that, that store is just a revolving door of people. Um, I can't say how all of them are buying. I think a lot of them are just going in. Ooh, just, what's yeah, this? just kind of the novelty, and they love to take pictures in front of the store. It's like and, the a- Amsterdam. Absolutely. Um, but at, at the end of the day, uh, we, do, we do serve a lot of tourists. The people we talked to at Enlighten on the tour with Don Young that they said that one, they made a good point. The one issue with the tourism is uh, there's nowhere to con- really consume it. Yeah, and that's a tough part that I know they're working on. Uh, you know, really hard right now with on-site consumption. That, that's a problem for us as we get tourists that come in and they buy pre-rolls, they buy vape pens, and they're like, "Well, where can I smoke this?" And we have to tell them, well, in the privacy of your own home, because that's what the laws state. Um, Of course, they don't have a home. They're staying in a hotel room. They're driving a rental car. And so, you know, um, if you go down a coastal trail on... on, on Go go, go to the earthquake park. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. You know, know, no one's really going to hassle you. And I don't think APD's written a a consumption ticket yet. I mean, I think they're pretty much hands off. Um, But it is an issue. Uh, If you're going to provide a product... Um, and, and make these staunch regulations, you need to give people a way to consume this stuff safely and, and, and so, legally. So right now, the only places you're allowed to really consume it is your, is your home, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what the regulations state. Yeah. You can't go out to like the, uh, I don't know, point ones off. I mean, you could. I mean, who's going to stop you, right? Again, it, uh, it boils down to enforcement. You know, it's not like there's cops just hanging out on every corner. And even in it, even in it they probably just tell you to put it out or whatever. I assume every day in your business is probably different, right? It's not like any... Any day is the same. No, no, very much so. Uh, we we are constantly fighting fires, I say, um, and, and in a good way. Um, just constant growing pains, uh, constant just uh, juggling the 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 troubles of the day. Um, that's just part of running a business in general, uh, even more so with us where we have to deal with staunch regulations and, uh, and a lot of different uh, things that normal businesses don't generally have to deal with. Do you ever get people who, like, kind of well-known people that come in that are like, hey, you know, just... Um, keep it, keep it quiet. Yeah, yeah, I won't name any names, but yeah, we've seen some pretty, pretty uh, famous faces come through our stores. That's awesome. Absolutely. You know, and I think it, it just goes to show that, you know, cannabis, it, it crosses, uh, you know, uh, all segments of well, life. You got, you got Snoop Dogg and Willie Nelson. Absolutely. Who connected through the, you know, the weed. Right, right. But I mean, all the way down from, you know, from different financial levels to different, you know, uh, social statuses. I, I think people are starting to realize that uh, at the end of the day, you know, if they want something to unwind and they can, they can consume a little cannabis and relax, you know, and wake up, you know, rested and not hung over the next morning. Um, that's not such a bad thing. Well, I mean, I've always said that, you know, people who are very staunchly against marijuana, but, but are okay with alcohol. It's just such a hypocrisy because the, the, the problems alcohol, and I'm, I'm not saying we should ban either one, but the problems alcohol creates when it comes to, you know, drinking and driving and domestic violence and actual health, you know, liver disease and all these different 
things. It's it's like crazy compared to. I mean, marijuana doesn't really cause those problems. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny um, coming from a rural Alaskan village like Kotzebue. Um, I know they struggle with alcoholism, and it's a big big thing there. And there's a lot of violence. There's a lot of uh, just social problems due to the consumption of alcohol. Um, I know a lot of the elders even they're not really for any sort of substance, but they say if you're going to do something, smoke some weed because you know you don't get aggressive, you don't get violent, you don't get belligerent. Most of the time, you're just going to be relaxed and calm mm-hmm. and just kind of watch some TV and just relax. Um, I know some villages are are looking at outlawing alcohol completely, but yet allowing marijuana sales. Well, I mean, there's uh, a whole bunch of. I mean, there's how many dry villages are there in Alaska? Right, tons of, of uh, tons of them. Right, right. Um, so there's a lot of these businesses we talked about in Anchorage and all over Alaska. Is it kind of like, you know, in the, like I have friends in the bar business and they're all, you know, they're, it's competitive, but it's kind of like they're more, more buddies than anything. Is it really competitive in this? Are you guys, you probably know all the people in the business, right? Are you guys super competitive or is it a mix of competitiveness and then also, Hey, you know, we're in the same business here. Yeah. I mean, there's an element that we all have to kind of play together to achieve a a common goal. Um, especially with the constantly changing regulations and the things that are, uh, just being, uh, kind of changed as we roll. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, we are out for ourselves. We're out for our business, but what we support one another in the same fact that we are in the industry together. Um, we're, we're dealing with the same struggles and the same battles. Um, but you know, us, us as a business, we really work hard and just kind of focus on what we're doing, what's in front of us. The, the stuff Don Young was holding, what was it called? That was called Tungerberry. That that had some awards, right? Yeah. That's, that's been a, a award winner and a fan favorite for a long time since we've uh, released it. Um, that strain actually, I, I won't disclose where it came from, but it, it was, uh, it was purpose built for for what we're trying to do, and the reason I lo- I brought it to market um, because it was uh, it's a very heavy indica, which which people seem to love. What's it, indica? Indica is more of a more of a heavy relaxation type of feel. Um, it it, it kind of brings you into a, a nice uh, peaceful state towards the end of the day, if that's what you choose to do. Um, as opposed to like a sativa, which is more of an energetic, creative type of, of high. Um, but tundra berries got, it's just, it smells like the blueberries that I picked in the tundra when I was uh-huh. a kid. And that's where the name came from. How many, uh, strains, is it strain or strains? How yeah. many strains do you guys produce? We're grow? growing, tw- uh, I think we have about 22 different strains in our facilities right now. So back when I was younger, when I moved here, there was like, I remember they, they would say like Alaska Thunderfuck or there'd be different names. Were those real like strange? Were that just were that just names people would just give to generic any weed from Alaska? Yeah. So so Matt Nuska Thunderfuck is is kind of a legend. Um, I know it existed. It's just uh, we don't. I don't think anybody really knows the whole backstory. And I know there's some folks out in the valley in the, the Willow Houston area that that are uh, are are growing it right now. Or what they say it is. Um, so this wasn't like a generic term people would apply to. Any weed from Alaska it was actually a strain. Yeah, this, would... yeah. This was a this was a particular strain of cannabis that was just infamous. Um, and from what I remember, it, it smelled like like straight up cat piss. Um, it, re- <laughs> it really, yeah, it really had this very pungent odor to it, um, and it was very, very unique. It's like that South Park when they're all remember they're all doing cat piss. <laughs> right. Have you seen that one? Yeah. They all start doing cat piss to get high. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but it's it's so interesting with cannabis strains um, because of so much breeding and, and genetic work that's going on. It's really hard to keep track. There hasn't been so much of a database to keep track of what all this so, stuff so, is. So when you're doing a strain, um, it's 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 obviously a you're you're how, how do you 
What's the process that goes by to make to make a certain strain? I mean, you're mixing things and different. Yeah, I mean, there's there's two ways to go about it. One, you can get seeds from a breeder, um, someone who's knowledgeable in breeding cannabis strains. Or two, you can take two cannabis strains and breed them yourself with a male and a female. Um, we've done a little bit of both. Um, we found, you know, obviously at the end of the day, I'm looking for the best cannabis that I can put out into the market. And I don't really care how we get there, whether it's bred in-house or whether we find it from seeds uh, from a breeder. Um, but there's a couple of different ways to do it. So um, hop, um, pot, marijuana, like the, the buds, I guess, from the, the plant. Um, related to hops, right? For beer, beer hops. I, I believe so. Yeah, same family. I believe so. Yeah. Have you ever? If, I've gotten one time. I was at a beer place and I got a bunch of hops and I I smelled it. I smelled, it smells like a little bit like pot. Yeah, it's interesting how that works, huh? So, well, it sounds like you guys are pretty busy, and I love I love the facility, man. It was a great tour, and um, I've been to the downtown one too. I went in there once and, and checked it out. But that that um, first class, man. I mean, I really really enjoyed being there and seeing it and. I don't imagine a lot of folks get that get the back back room tour. So. No, no, that's a that's that's a that's a unique experience that we like to provide for um, you know people like Congressman Young and 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 a lot of people who are who the rule makers, the people that are that are actually you know signing the bills and and, and making this industry work. Uh, we want to show them the behind the scenes of how how this how this plant grows. Well, wasn't there a, like a legislative tour recently? I think yeah. with Sarah Rat, Representative Rasmussen. Yeah, yeah, we had they actually came in just that morning before Don Young. Um, um, and it was great. It's great because a lot of people, they don't understand exactly how cannabis comes to market. Um, a lot of people think, oh, well, you take, you know, you have to grow this plant, you mix it with this and mix it with that. No, this is literally a plant that grows in the ground uh, or in our case, a greenhouse. And it's not cocaine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, uh, it's grown, it's dried, it's trimmed and it's put in a package. I mean, it's it's really that you, simple. You guys got to get Lisa Murkowski in there. Yeah, right. That'd be, that'd be a good one. Or yeah. Dan Sullivan. Yeah, that'd be hey, I'd I'd love to have him. I think now that Don Young kind of bro- broke the broke the broke the um what's it what's the first guy through the door, door, <laughs> sure. door is the bloodiest you know sure, I think that sure. he's, he's done it now it's maybe a little more a little more open yeah it was great it was great to have congressman young there I, I, he's been he's, he's just like guy's 85 yeah he's and you just I mean you think he's like 60 yeah yeah he's a trooper and you know he's done so much good for the state um especially rural alaska i know you know his work has impacted me just uh directly in a lot of different ways um and to have him come into our facility and 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 give us the compliments that he did was just really that's yeah, crazy he still has a house he still lives there on fort yukon yeah yeah it's like, why it's wild yeah yeah i mean he's old school he's o- he's og man that's right that's right it's funny when i when i asked him i was like have you ever held a pound of weed before a congressman he's like i've never even held a joint yeah 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 it's interesting um but you know it's just that, a, from that, a different time that would be the holy grail the holy grail would be i don't think he would do it but the holy grail would be him smoking a big blunt yeah big fat blunt yeah i'd love to i'd love that, to share some weed with congressman that, yeah that would be a, that would be a, i remember when, when the viral thing i uh, remember with joe rogan right and, um te- uh elon, elon musk. musk yeah his like he, he got in like trouble it is a company and they, yeah. i think he had a step down it was like yeah he they, took one little who, you know, wow. Yeah, they slapped his hand pretty good, but you know, I get it. In, a, in the corporate world, you gotta, you know, yeah. mind your p's and q's. That's why landmine landmine radio here. We we just uh, we're high high energy, no filter. Yeah, and that's great. That's great. Well, Jordan, I want to thank you for coming. It was great meeting you. Yeah, and, nice um, meeting you too. Man, great, great, uh, great discussion here. I like uh, you're 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 a good podcast. <laughs> you got a good radio voice. Thanks. Appreciate you should, that. You should, you should start like a. The Alaska Weed Podcast. There you go. Probably, yeah. probably get a lot of folks well, listening. Let's, let's do it. Let's do well, it. appreciate coming in, Jordan, and uh, we'll do another one. And if you have anybody, you know, people great northern that want to come on here and, and have another discussion, I'd love to do it. Awesome. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, thanks, Jordan. Uh, folks, if you uh, have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast, get a hold of me and stay tuned for the next one. Landline.